Well, good morning. Glad you're here. Two years ago, uh, this February, I had a bit of a cold and I woke up on a Friday and I was seeing some lights and stuff. And every time I turned my head, I'd get a flash of light. But I thought, oh, you know, it's just part of being having a cold. I'm stuffed up. Well, I got up Saturday and it, it was more pronounced. Every time I turned, I'd see this flash of light and I had these floaties. So I think I better get in touch with my doctor. So I texted him my symptoms. He said, we need to talk. And so got me on the phone. And he said, Andy, describe real carefully what's going on. So I did. And he said, it sounds to me like you've got vitreous separation, which is not a big deal. It's typical for people your age. I was glad to hear that. People my age. But he said, it could be also a sign of a detached retina. And if you start seeing a bunch of shower of lights, we need to move fast. Like, you would need to go to the emergency room right now because this could threaten your vision long term. What you're describing, I think, is this vitreous separation. If you see this or that, you call me and we're going to the emergency room. We're talking about Thanksgiving. And I'm suggesting it's a symptom of our spiritual health. And if it's not there, it's not vitreous separation. It's a detached retina. It, something is really wrong that we need to consider. It's a critical symptom of our spiritual health. It's something we need to move on sooner than later if it's not a part of our lives. And I want to talk about why this morning. So if you've got a Bible feed, open that to Luke 17. We'll start in verse 11 and go through verse 19, wrestling with that question, why is Thanksgiving a critical symptom of our spiritual health. So we start this way in verse 11. Well, while he, he being Jesus, was on the way to Jerusalem. What's he going to Jerusalem to do? He's going to Jerusalem to die. He's going to give himself for the forgiveness of sin. For you and for me. It means he'll be flogged. He'll be nailed to a cross. And three days later, he'll rise again, according to the plan of God. So he was on his way to Jerusalem, and it says he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria's significant because the Samaritans were considered sellouts. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. Some place in their background, in their genealogy, somebody married a Gentile. And so Samaritans, are, are, they're a mixed race. They're Jew and Gentile. And the pure Jews, they don't accept that. They look down on those people, those sellouts. You wonder how far back does racism go? It goes quite a ways, but it goes all the way back to Jesus' time and farther. It was so different that the Jews worshipped at the temple. That's where they understood God to meet them. Samaritans, they didn't buy that. They worshiped someplace else. They were on Mount Gerizim. So there's a split. And, and, and Jews didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. And most of the times, even though it was longer, they would walk around Samaria. Uh, but Jesus is uh, passing between Samaria and Galilee. And verse 12 says, He entered a village... As he entered the village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. 
why are they standing at a distance? Because leprosy was a physical disease, and in, in the Bible, the term leprosy can, can, is used to cover a variety of skin diseases. But what is it affected? Uh, your, your, your nerves and your, your extremities. Um, you lost feeling, you lost touch, you could be paralyzed, you could be blinded. So there was a, a physical impact, but there was also a social impact. Lepers lived in communities by themselves. They could not enter Because of the nature of the disease, they could not enter the community. So they stayed at a distance, and when they encountered anybody, they said, unclean, unclean. Keep your distance. You know, the closest thing I can think of, for example, in in my lifetime was in the early and mid-1980s, maybe even the late 80s, is somebody had AIDS. That was a social disease. You stayed at a distance because those people were contagious. Don't you know? That's what we've got here, lepers who who have been excluded from the community. And they cry out in verse 13. They said, they raise their voices saying, Jesus, Master. Okay, they're recognizing His authority. Master, have mercy on us. They're praying, they're asking, they're begging for a merciful visitation from God. To do what? To cure them from leprosy. That's what they're asking. That's what they want. Why would they? I mean, they've been living outside of the community, but word about Jesus has gotten out. And in fact, in another instance, Jesus dealt with a leper, and we read about that in Luke 5, 12 through 14. You can see it up here in the, the, the screens. It says, while he was... In one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he, Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I'm willing to be cleaned. And immediately the leprosy left him. He ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So in the moment, Jesus healed a leper. He has power over leprosy, just like he had power over every disease, power over every illness, power over death, power over everything. They've heard that. And so they come asking for Jesus to heal them. And and in in the other instance, he healed them on the spot. He's going to do a little differently with these guys. Look at verse 14. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, the priests were kind of the de facto health officials. They examined to see if someone was clean or not. And as they were going, they get healed in a moment. As they were going, they were cleansed. That's a step of faith. You show up at the priest and nothing's done? I don't know how that's going to go. Why'd the lepers take that risk? <laughs> they didn't have much to lose, did they? Maybe they get stoned. Well, but Jesus might heal. God calls every one of us to live by faith. Risk is a synonym for faith. 
we don't step out because we got too much to lose. Stuff in this world has us, and I, I, can't let go, I can't let go of that. When I first thought about following Jesus, I thought about my financial security. I, I, I came from a home that my dad lost a ton of jobs. I went to college. I came to faith in college. I went to college to, to, to secure my livelihood. I was going to get an engineering degree. What the last 40 years have taught me is security is in the Lord, but it, it took me a while to get there. I couldn't follow Jesus because I need to hold on to that. I'm curious, what has a hold on you? These lepers are in a blessed position because they've got nothing to hold on to. Sure, I'll follow Jesus. What do I have to lose? Later, uh, Jesus healed a, a, a man, brought a man back from the dead. His name was Lazarus. And, and, and he went to see the sisters and everybody was sad. And, 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 and Jesus uh, got to the point that he, was, he, he told them, roll back, the, roll back the stone. I'm going to call out Lazarus from the dead. And one of the sisters went, hey, 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 wait, 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 what are you thinking? Jesus made this statement to the sister in John 11:40. Here's what he said. Jesus said to her, did I, did I not say to you that if you believe, notice the order, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. You trust me, and you'll see the hand of God work. Now, I like that. I just like to switch the order. That's what I like to do. God, why don't you do something Big, and then I'll believe. That's, that's, that's my security. That's my thing. God, let me see you act. Let me see you heal. Let me see whatever it is you do. Then I'm on. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That ain't the way it flies with me. I need to know you trust me. Did I tell you, if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Well, that's what these lepers did, man. They had nothing to lose. And they believed God and they saw his glory. Look what happens. Verse 15. Now one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, turned back glorifying God with a loud voice. Why did he turn back? He just realized, man, I've encountered God in the flesh. I, I got to get back there. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a what? He was a Samaritan. Remember, Jesus is Jewish. He's ministering among Jewish people. And the hero of this story, the one who got it right, is a what? He's a Samaritan. Okay, let me see if I can put this in context for you. This summer, the summer of 2020, about August or so, you and I will have the privilege of watching the Republican and Democratic conventions. Okay, And let me tell you what's not going to happen first at the Republican convention and then at the Democratic convention. So at the Republican convention, there is not going to be a lifetime service award for Bill Clinton. They're not going to have that. Nor at the Democratic convention are they going to have a lifetime service award for George W. Bush. What's my point? In each case... Those men would be an, an anathema in the various group I mentioned. 
I'm just trying to set up what's going on here with the Samaritan being the hero, with the Samaritan getting it right. This isn't flying well in the Jewish, Jewish audience. Samaritans, they're the, remember, they're the half-breeds. They worship in the wrong place. One of ten gets it right, and it's a Samaritan. Jesus was always championing the outsider, always championing the down and outer, always championing the one who wasn't supposed to be in the know. And Jesus answered and said to this one, were there not ten cleansed? That's a rhetorical question. Yeah, there were. But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Back to verse 17. But the nine, where are they? Where do you think they are? Let me tell you where I think they are. I think they're enjoying their newfound experience, man. Their newfound freedom. Remember, what are they? They've been excluded. They've been living separate by themselves. Now they can go see family. Man, they can even come to church on a Sunday. Public gathering. They couldn't do that. They can go out to eat. They can go to a restaurant. They can go to a Husker game and watch a Husker game. Or they can go to a Husker party and watch a Husker game on, on TV with their friends. Uh, they forgot the one who freed them to enjoy their freedom. I'm wondering, do we do that? Forget to give thanks because of all the blessings the one who blessed us has given? My first summer out of the, when I was ever out of the country for an extended time was the summer 1986. We were eight weeks. We were serving on a mission trip in Istanbul, Turkey, and we got about two weeks from coming back, and we were in teams, and there were maybe six or eight of us on our team. And you know what we'd say to each other every day those last couple weeks? Hey, hey, when you get back to the States, where are you going to eat? Because see, we'd been eating Turkish food, and we'd been eating chicken and rice. At the, but it wasn't bad. But man, we hadn't been to, I don't know what it was back then, chilies or Fuddruckers or water, whatever it was. We were, so where are you going, man? I can't wait when we get we're going there. First thing, we're going there because we've been denied for eight weeks. These guys have been denied family and friends and experience and gathering forever. And they said they're going to die. So they forget the one who gave them their health. They forget the one who blessed them to go experience the blessings of their freedom. One comes back and he's a Samaritan. Here's what Jesus said to him. Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. And in the terms, of the terms here, not only is it physically well, but spiritually well. You understand who I am. And what was the symptom you understood? You came back to give thanks. 
So we're, we're, we're wrestling with this question, why is Thanksgiving, I would argue, a critical symptom of our spiritual health? Uh, I'd say this, Thanksgiving demonstrates awareness of God's work in our life. Thanksgiving demonstrates an awareness of God's work in our life. Many of you have jobs and you have food and you have clothing and you have this and you think, I earned that. That, that, That's mine. No, no, the life you got, the breath you get, the ability to work, that is from God. Everything we have is from Him. Does that make sense? Is that reflected in your daily life. I mean, you can't see my heart. I can't see your heart. I, I don't know what kind of conversations. I don't know what goes on. What could, but, but is there a thanksgiving to God? For what we have. You know, th- this passage talks about lepers living in a colony separated. Do you know we have a, if you'll let me spin the term, a, a spiritual leprosy? It's called sin. And it separates us from God. We are at a distance from God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this. He made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, but perfectly, to be sin on our behalf so we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin in your place and mine. Does that draw thanksgiving for us? It should. He's allowed us to come back into the community of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. If you came in this morning, you saw, you came in this side, you saw a big board. It said, give thanks. Uh, last week, uh, this board was right up here if you weren't here, and we had a time to give thanks. We're not going to do that again, but if you have something you want to add, or you didn't get a chance, uh, there's, there's papers and there's pens and there's pieces of paper. I invite you to go out after the service to write down. I, I, I thought many of us who did it said it was a good exercise to get up and give thanks. This is what I'm giving thanks to God for. It's something that sticks with us. It got us up out of our seats and it's something we remembered and it's jogged our memory this week to give thanks. It is Thanksgiving season after all. Would we give thanks for what God has done? The degree to which we do that is the degree we understand how desperate we are for God. How aware we are that He's working in our lives. So back to my little thing. It was a benign condition, but my um, primary care doc set up an appointment with a specialist. So Tuesday, I'm in his office. I mean, these people are in my business. They're actually in my eye. So come in and put a couple drops in here. Look at this. Okay, turn your head. More drops here. Look at this. Okay, you're done. Go sit over there. You're going to go in a room. And then I, I, I don't know what they do in that room, but they click, click. They do something. Then I'm back out. Now, after all this, I mean, this is probably 45 minutes, now I'm going to see the doctor. And he's got this shiny light, and he gets right people, he gets right in my personal space. He gets right up close, and he's shining this thing in, and he's got a Q-tip, and he's going around this thing, and I think, buddy, what is the deal? 
I didn't say that. I'm thinking that. But he's looking for symptoms. He's looking very carefully for symptoms of a detached retina. Because if it's there, we, we need to go right now. We need to go to surgery right now. And that day he said, Andy, I, I think it's good. Uh, I, I think your symptoms will decrease. I see one little floaty thing in there. I want to see you. Uh, I don't think it's a symptom. I think it's, he gives me these terms. But I want to see you again in a week. Why? Because it's serious. If this is a detached retina, we need to know. And we need to... Thanksgiving is serious. And if it's not there, you and I need to examine our heart and say, God, show me. I'm obtuse. I'm not seeing it. Show me what you've done that I could respond appropriately, giving thanks to you. Uh, we've sung a bunch of songs about giving thanks. We're hoping that stirs that sentiment. And we're going to finish in just a moment singing about the greatness of God. I, I, I pray that motivates us to be a thankful people this Thanksgiving season. Let me pray and invite the worship team to finish our service. So Lord, we are grateful for you and what you've done. And, and, and a lot of times we're like those nine uh, lepers. We, we've been blessed and we've been freed and we've been given opportunity. And, and man, we got, we got stuff to do. We got blessings to experience. We got so much. And, and uh, forgive us for not returning to give thanks. Pray that we would be people that are, that are uh, grateful and that we would express that to you because it's right. You have set us free. You have brought us back into community. Thank you, Jesus. And it's your name we pray. Amen.